Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. When we are talking about beneath the surface, I found that one of the things that lurks down there is the different ways that I see myself or the different things that I believe about myself, like my identity. There's this kind of what I present to people in that top 10%, like kind of what, what people see and maybe even what I'm willing to, to show. But beneath the surface, there's just some things that I take on that I don't want people to know about. There's some ways I feel about myself or how I am able to come to the Lord at times. They're like, oh, I'm just a lot more comfortable with those staying buried down. Can anybody relate? Amen. And if I'm honest, these things change from time to time. One day, it may be one thing. I haven't been diagnosed with a personality disorder, I promise. But like one day, it's one thing. I'm struggling with something else. And the next day, it's something else. And the next day, somebody says something, and it's something else. And a lot of those things, we get really good and get really conditioned at just stuffing those down so that we can keep on like this smiley face and keep chugging along, meeting people's expectations and standards that they place on us and keep charging forward and fighting the good fight, right? With a smile on our face because that's supposedly what we think church people do. One, join a life group. Two, that's all nonsense. And we saw that last week by looking at how David approached the Lord. Amen. Psalm 13 and 16 we referenced, but specifically that Psalm 16. He's just like, come on, God, how long? How long? And then he says, but, but I will worship you. You are good. I love you. I will see joy in your salvation. Like these are the things that come out of that place. And so I see it as a problem when sons and daughters of the Most High... That, that we should be pretty solid and, and ideally we'd be able to take on our identity in these moments. But I think it's a little problem when the enemy attacks us so much at the very core of who we are. Now, if you find yourself in that place, you're like, yeah, I'm questioning this a lot. I get, I get frustrated. I get discouraged. I feel like the devil's just telling me all these false things. And some days it's way harder to fight off than others. Like, don't be ashamed. It's his oldest trick. It's his oldest trick ever since the fall, ever since sin entered the picture in Genesis. And even when Jesus was in the wilderness, the enemy is always causing us to question our identity. That's just something he does. So it shouldn't shock us. You shouldn't feel like, man, I'm just super broken and I'm not worthy because I'm questioning. I'm like, no, it's what, that's, that's like one of the only plays he has. And so as a church family, I believe that the most solid thing we can do is we can really get down to like, who does God see us to be? What's our identity in the scriptures? And we're going to end today declaring those things that scriptures say about us over ourselves and our community. Amen? Because I don't think there's anything more powerful than that. Is the enemy is trying to come at Jesus and cause him to question or whatever. Jesus throws scripture right back at him. Combat lies with truth. And my hope today is that I can hand over to you through the scriptures an arsenal of truth as you are combating the lies about who you are and who God sees you to be. He sees you to be a son, a daughter that has full inheritance in his family. He has adopted you. And all that other stuff is just nonsense. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean any of us are. But nevertheless, I hope today to give us some weapons 
to not vacillate back and forth, always wondering, gosh, beneath the surface, who do I really see myself to be? So I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into that. Sound good? So God, thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for what you want to do in our community um, through this message, through these topics, and through our times and discussion in life groups with one another. God, we praise you for that time that you set aside each week. And uh, Holy Spirit, we pray these words would be yours, that they would fall on soft hearts and open minds, and that your truth would prevail over the lives of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So who we are determines how we act. Fair enough statement? Who we are determines how we act. Internal identity dictates our external lifestyle. So who we see ourselves to be inside determines actually how that manifests in our actions. So for example, fish swim because they are fish. Birds fly because they are birds. Sinners live in sin because they are sinners. A fish is not a fish because it swims. Rather, it swims because it's a fish. Nature of it determines its action. So understanding this principle, Peter in the Bible reminds us that people are who they are, and he tells them how they should act. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says this. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In other words, Peter says, you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy. Now act like it. <laughs> Here's who you are, now act like it. Because when we know who we actually are, who God defines us to be, the creator of this universe, who he says we are, then our actions, our way of life can be dictated by that instead of the lies. In this scripture, we see three pictures of who we are in Christ. And this, family, is our real identity. This is our real identity. This is what God thinks about us. Therefore, this is how we should act. So the first one he says there is that we are chosen. We are chosen. We are not left out. We are not left over. And we are not unwanted. Rather, we are chosen. And the following verses tell us why God has chose us. First, God chose us because he loves us, not because we love him. Deuteronomy 7 says, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. God chose us because he is strong, not because of our strength, not because we are strong. 1 Corinthians 1.27, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses us because he is wise, not because we are wise. Do you see a theme happening here? Moving forward in that 1 Corinthians 1, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. And God chose us for future fruitfulness, not because of past successes. 
He chose us for future fruitfulness. John 15, 16 said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now, if we look at the reasons why he chose us, juxtaposed to why he didn't choose us, or not the reasons not being why he chose us, we can see that he's not interested in our resume. He's not interested in some list of spiritual or physical accolades that earn our way into being chosen. Rather, we are chosen because of who he says we are and what he did for us in Jesus. And it's important that we recognize that because oftentimes when we are questioning, when we are doubting, when we are wrestling with what our actual identity in Christ is, the enemy tries to point out things that we have come up short on and therefore do not earn it. Amen? He tries to get us to question, yeah, but you did this, so (laughs) I don't think so. But when we understand that that wasn't how it happened in the first place, that's not what initiated our adoption to sonship or being a daughter in Christ, then that, we know that doesn't have a bearing on it. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. His grace and his mercy has brought us into an eternal relationship with him. Not your accolades, not your wisdom, not your strength, not your earning. And when we understand that, it builds this shield around us that the enemy cannot penetrate because we know that that wasn't what our salvation, what our right standing in God was based on in the first place. The devil wants us to think of ourselves the way we were before, but we are different now because we are chosen. We are in Christ. The second thing Peter tells us is that we are royal A person is either born into a royal family or not. That's just kind of how the world, the fleshly world works. You're either born into a royal family or you're not, unless you're Meghan Markle. If not, you're welcome, pop pop culture. If not, then no amount of intelligence, education, good looks, or money will make you royal. You're born into it or you're not. Yet, Peter calls us a royal priesthood. As Christians, we are born into a privileged bloodline as we are born again into the family of Christ. Because we are royalty, we should hold our heads high and walk in confidence, not because of our own accolades, but who, because of who we are in him, who he sees us to be, who he calls us to be, the mission of redemption that he has called us into. That is one that you can hold your head high in being a part of and being called into. Not only are we born again into a royal bloodline, we are our royal priesthood, it says. For the Jew in ancient Israel to be a priest was a spiritual privilege that was for few. The priest had special access to God. The priest had a place of honor in society. And in Christ, we have special access to God and a place of honor as his royal priesthood. Just think about that for a second. A royal priesthood. And all the things, especially the people that this was originally written to, what that would have meant. It's like, boom, like what? Royalty and priesthood. Like this is an honor. This is something that we are being called into. Jesus didn't pay such a high price for nothing. You are valuable. You are irreplaceable. And nobody can steal your identity from you. He didn't pay such a high price for nothing. He wants you to know who you are to him, who you are in him. We are royalty, we are a priesthood, and we should act like it by living in the presence of God. Amen? The third piece of that identity is that we are holy. 
It is common, it's a common mistake for religious people to reduce holiness to a dress code. Do you wear a tie and a jacket on special days, a hairstyle, or a musical preference? Historically in the church world, these can be things that are debated about when this word comes up. But holiness is, first of all, a heart issue. It's, first of all, a heart issue. It's who we are, not necessarily what we do. Because we are holy, we should live like we are holy. Holiness of heart produces a holiness of lifestyle. If God calls us to be holy, he says, this is who you are in Christ, now act like it. It comes from a changed heart, not just management of our behaviors. That's called religion. This is a heart condition, a change of our heart. That, we know, is what God ultimately cares about. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, Be holy because I am holy. So, in summary, that's, that's your identity. According to Peter, in Christ, that's your identity. You're chosen. You're royal. And you are holy. And as he says, so act like it. Now, that's a great foundation. That's a great start to know. How, how do we walk out this life? How do we combat whatever lies we're hearing either from the enemy or from others? And how do we stand firm on what we know to be truth? There's your foundation. But we still need to talk about the impact of, of identification or IDs in our lives. Now, think about it this way. When an airport official or a policeman asks for an ID, we usually show them a driver's license or some other form of ID, right? Maybe a passport. There are three types of IDs that we recognize in this world, but only one is valid for a Christian. The first kind of ID is this concept of an expired ID. Have you ever went any, somewhere and they're like, ID, and you hand it to them, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, this is expired. Or are you guys all super responsible and that's never happened? I saw a couple head nods. An expired ID. These Christians still identify with their old life of sin rather than their new life in Christ. The old life is over, so we should destroy all expired IDs. Don't be one of those people that collects for your photo book all the old IDs, all the old things you used to identify with, because occasionally you like to go back and look at them. No, shred them, burn them, get rid of them. That's who you were. It is not who you are. That's not who Jesus sees you as now. When the enemy asks you if you remember what you did before, tell him, that's not me anymore. Thanks for playing. If he says, how can you minister? You did this. Tell him, I'm not the same person anymore. I've been there, been there so I can help them. I can minister to them because I've experienced that and I've come through that. Your family may put labels on you. You were like that before, that's not how, but that's not how God sees you anymore. He sees you as chosen, royal, holy. No matter what you did in the past, you can look forward to the future only by the grace of God, not by your own merits, accolades, or spiritual resume, but you can look forward to the future. The other kind of ID is a fake ID. Now, these Christians live a double life. They act and speak like disciples on Sundays, and they live like sinners on Mondays. Now, many of the people that I've had the honor of walking through life and discipling have went through seasons where it almost seems like this is still a little bit of who they are. It's kind of like when I was in college, I had this guy that was, 
He was 18 years old, and he looked like he was 40. He played football with me. And he was the guy that we always went to to send to the store that we couldn't get stuff at. And he still had a fake ID, but he didn't even need it because he just played the game. He just looked the part. This dude had a beard. He was like 6'6", 280 pounds, and he just looked like a grown man. And he, he, it's like he had double lives. But he was in this place where people were like, well, I, I see you having those qualities but they didn't get down to seeing like actually who he was. They didn't see the real identification. Some people can play the part, but when you strip away all the outward, like the looks from the outside, you can actually see what's going on inside. On the inside, this young man was super immature. He was 18 years old. When he showed up to play football, he couldn't even sign his NCAA waivers because he wasn't 18 yet, and his mommy and daddy had to come do it. Okay? Yeah, he looked like he was 40 years old. They don't always match up. It's almost like this double life thing going on. And so often, we can easily slip into that because we're so concerned about that iceberg that was up there, the 10% above the surface and what other people see instead of actually what's going on beneath the surface. And to actually address the death of our expired ID and the full taking on of our new valid ID, humility has to come along and usher that in. And boy, that can be a painful process. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. So you got expired IDs, you got fake IDs, and then finally you got your real ID. And family, that's what I'm hoping we will walk forward in, acknowledging our real ID, who we really are, that you are chosen, that you are royal, that you are holy, because this is the foundation of our identity in Christ. Right now, today, This is a time for us to update our old IDs, to throw away our fake IDs, and to embrace a new identity in Christ. What the enemy would like to do as you receive this information today, maybe in a fresh light, maybe not for the first time, maybe for the first time, as you receive this, the enemy would like to tell you that you're disqualified that you're not worthy, that that information is not for you, or that you don't have like the internal strength to actually see this play out in your life. But I have news for you. It's not about your internal strength and your power and what you have to bring to the table. Because in your weakness, the strength of Christ is perfected. As you receive his grace, his free gift, that is what will usher you into being able to fully take on your identity in Christ. It's not by your own merits. It's not by powering through. It's not by trying to, you know, have, be like a 50-50 life or whatever other things we slip into. God wants his children to know who they are. He wants you to be with him, not wondering, like, am, am, are things okay with dad right now? Is dad upset with me? Did I do enough for dad to love me and care for me? Am I in dad's will Or have I messed that up? He doesn't want his kids to come to him like that. The price that was paid was so significant because of what it means for us, that this grace and this mercy is extended for us, that we were adopted into his family. And I can't think of anything that would break a father's heart more than sitting with his kid and his kid not knowing if his dad actually loves him, cares about him, has fully adopted him, has chosen him. 
Like as a father, that just breaks my heart thinking like, man, how would I deal with that if my kiddo came to sit by my side and just internally, they're like, man, I just, I don't know if daddy really likes me or chose me or I don't know if he sees me as fully one of his kids or like, that just doesn't sit right with me. And God is such a better father than I am. Ask Bree. <laughs> He's way better. So how much more must it pain him to see his children not know or not believe or not truly take on the identity of who he says they are? When I look my girls in the face and I say, you're a world changer, you are loved, you are kind, you are going to make an impact on so many people's lives. If they're just like, yeah, whatever, dad, <laughs> and just went off, <laughs> like, how would that make you feel? The sacrifice that he made to bring us into that relationship with him. Now, I'm not telling you this to try to guilt you and, oh, see what you do to your daddy. No, don't hear that. Hear that God feels these things. He cares deeply. He's not just some far-off, sterile person or entity that doesn't have emotions and feel and isn't jealous for you to take on the identity that he paid this price for. He cares and he loves you deeply. And if we, as a people, will walk in confidence, knowing that we're chosen, that we're royal, that we're holy, that we are loved, and we have a good Father, if we not just know that, but if we act like it, imagine what that will do in our families, in our workplaces, in our businesses, in our neighborhoods. Just imagine to hold your head high with confidence, knowing who you are in Christ. That is the kind of thing that changes the world. That's the kind of thing that brings heaven to earth. That's the kind of thing that establishes God's kingdom here as we are waiting for his return. And that's the kind of thing God has called this church to be a catalyst for and a part of. So worship team, you can head up to the stage. But the rest of us, I just want us to stand. And we're going to declare some things as we finish this up. Now, I will admit that growing up in the tradition of church that I did, I struggle with, with doing this. Nevertheless, there is power when a group of people will declare Scripture over themselves and over each other. There is power when you speak out something and you're held accountable to what you actually say you're going to do and what you believe. And I believe that there's going to be power in this moment today as we walk forward, taking on our real identity in Christ. So, this is who we are. The first thing is, I am accepted. And we're going to read these out together. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one in spirit with Him. I have been bought with a price. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. And the next one, I am secure. I am free forever from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. 
I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. And I am significant. I am the salt and light of the earth. I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am God's co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're accepted. You are secure. You are significant. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. That's not me telling you that. That's the creator of the universe telling you that. If you are in Christ, this is who you are. Can we act like it? And maybe you're standing here today and you're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm there yet. Yeah, all this Jesus stuff is great. And, you know, maybe even, yeah, I believe in God. But this totally submitting to Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I just haven't taken that step yet. It's a little scary. It's a little confusing. Maybe you can't fully understand all the implications of it because there's this faith element that you're still wrestling with. I want to tell you, if that's you and you're hearing like, I haven't fully went there, but I'm ready. I want a heavenly father to choose me, to consider me royal and holy and significant and secure. Like I, I want that. I'm ready for that. Or maybe you've had that before. You were walking in that relationship, but it's just been too long and you've been living a different life. Maybe that fake ID thing is something you've been wrestling with. I just want to pray for you. Because just as much as this is great news, that in Christ, God calls us these things. It is also great news that because of his grace, if you are not yet in Christ, you can receive that as you turn in faith to him. So if that's you and you're like, I just, I need that. I need to give my life over to the Lord so that that will be my identity and I can walk out life with Christ as my Lord and Savior. I just want you to receive this prayer and pray it with me as as we pray. A way of showing that if you would like, if you're comfortable, you can just open your hands as a sign of receiving as we give this time to him. So God, we thank you. Father, we thank you for what you did for us in Jesus. We recognize that we're not perfect. We recognize that we have sinned. Right now, God, we confess those sins to you. Say, we're not worthy of leading our own life. We need you to step in and save us and redeem us and be our king. God, we turn away. We repent from all things that are not of you. We ask you to fill our life with your Holy Spirit and help us to act in our lives the way that you see us to be. Would our actions meet our identity in you? So we thank you for this good news. We thank you for your grace and mercy. And we thank you for this real ID that you've given us, Father. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.